As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. episode no brandon funston for this one or the next one brandon funston out on vacation this week so it's just me and jake coming at you we're going to do a couple of in out or no doubt episodes for the week we want to save the debates for when funston is here today we're going to be talking about some mid-round wide receivers i'll explain why i picked this class of players in a second but first jake it's like the song remains the same every year some point at this time it's august today's august 1st and here's brandon funston Going on vacation, arguably the hottest time of the fantasy football season. Yeah, no, I don't know if it's intentional or why he does this to us every single year, but we got we have an off off air conversation with Brandon. Seems, yeah, right. It's it's just it's unreal. This guy, unreal. This freaking guy. But uh, hey, we're still going to do a couple of episodes, and uh, you know, it gives us an opportunity to take a shot at Funston. And really, who doesn't want to have a little shot at Funston? Every now and again, so uh, we'll uh, we'll get him back in the fold next week. For this week, we're going to be doing an out, no doubt, for this episode, as I said, mid-round wide receivers. Not necessarily a class of players we think about in terms of like a let's have a discussion about them, but Jake, the last two seasons, the essential wide receiver has come from this range of the draft. In 2020, it was Stephon Diggs. Last year, of course, it was Cooper Cup. And basically, you look at championship teams in 2020, they had a huge amount of Stephon Diggs. In 2021, they had a huge amount, (coughs) excuse me, of Cooper Cup. And so we're going to look at that group of receivers today on this episode. Now, to be fair, we have talked about a fair amount of those guys already, some guys who you could put in this class, Cortland Sutton. DK Metcalf, Allen Robinson, Brandon Cooks, Gabriel Davis. We've had some long, robust discussions on those players already. You can go back through the feed and find those discussions uh, if you so choose. We're going to look at some guys who we haven't quite had the big discussions about who fit into this group of players and discuss whether we are in out or no doubt on these guys. We've got five receivers for you. Let's jump in. Jake, the first one who I want to talk about is Marquise Brown, who is in Arizona now, of course. 43.51 is the ADP on him over this last month. That makes him a wide receiver, 19. How does that price feel to you, Jake, for his first year as a Cardinal? 
Yeah, ridiculously out. One hundred percent, not even like close to being in on this one because wide receiver nineteen is essentially his peak on uh, what he's returned. Actually, last year he wasn't even wide receiver nineteen; he was wide receiver twenty-one. And if you look at it, points per game, and yeah, those without Lamar Jackson for much of the year. But again, it's his best year: ninety-one receptions, thousand yards, and six touchdowns. Wide receiver twenty-seven fantasy points per game. This is a six-week buy-in i don't i don't get it like i get the excitement of marquise brown with the cardinals if he was the number one Mm -hmm. like he was the number one with the ravens for the entire year but you cannot ignore that deandre hopkins is coming back unless deandre hopkins is toast which i guess is a conversation to have on its side is like people are comparing him to julio jones at the part where julio jones started falling off but even then you're still talking about they're going to 50-50 split that number one role if Hopkins has taken a step back and now he's down in that range. So, like, best case, 50-50 with Hopkins, and then you have Ertz and Rondell Moore and all the rest of them being involved like they always have been. You go back to, like, all right, worst case scenarios, as soon as Hopkins comes back, Marquise Brown is now a wide receiver four who you try to play matchups with, but just as basically boomer bust as he's been for a lot of his career. So... I don't get this price. Like, I, I just don't. I am so far out on this. I have so little of Marquise Brown because the other part of it, too, is you could sit there and say, well, I'll use him for four weeks and then trade him. Sell high. Unless you're playing in a super experienced league, you're not tricking anybody. And I say four because if you're going to do it, you can't wait till week six rolls around and Hopkins is on his return because everybody's going to know by that point. It just, again, I get it if this was the entire year, but it's not. It's six weeks. Yeah, I'm with you uh, entirely. This is, of all the in-out, no-doubt episodes we've done, this is probably the most out I have been on any receiver. And a bunch of those guys who I named, the guys who we've already talked about, Sutton, Metcalf, Allen Robinson, Brandon Cooks, Gabriel Davis, in fact, those five guys, those are the five guys, Jake, who are the next receivers off the board. Sutton, wide receiver 20, DK's at 21, Robinson 22, Cooks 23, Gabriel Davis 24. I'm taking all those guys over Marquise Brown without thinking twice about it. Like, there's there's not even, I don't even have to stop and consider whether I'm making the right decision before clicking the other guy's name. I am very easily taking those guys ahead of Marquise Brown. Eh, you know what? Maybe Gabriel Davis I would stop and think about, but certainly not Sutton, Metcalf, I'm A-Rob, Gabriel Davis. or Brandon Cooks. So, yeah, they, like, it's just, I, I just, I, I truly, truly do not get this valuation on Marquise Brown and like even when I try like you mentioned yeah obviously but like what he did in there great I mean great year in Baltimore last year thousand yards 90 catches six touchdowns man just a good strong solid season he did it without Lamar Jackson for what like four games right Lamar missed something something along those lines so that is a very good season but he did that right as the wide receiver won as unquestionably one of the top two options in the passing game with Mark Andrews and I just don't know that we're necessarily going to see that same volume for him. 146 targets last year. Like, what does it take for him to get to 146 this year in Arizona? Uh, Hopkins missing more time, or again, I get like I said. I guess the best case scenario for him is that it, Hopkins comes back, and this is a one A one B role mm-hmm. instead of Hopkins the one, Marquise Brown the two. That's and again, that can be in this world, but I think you're also having to consider Zach Ertz falling kind of back to Zach Ertz from the Eagles and not being what he was once he arrived with Arizona mm-hmm. last year, too. There's just a lot of options here. Kyler Murray throughout the years has basically been DeAndre Hopkins and then everybody else. Like, when Hopkins is out there, I mean, you see it in his passing numbers. Mm-hmm. Kyler Murray's numbers dropped as soon as Hopkins was done. We've discussed that on the show. So I just don't know where there's a world where Marquise Brown 
is top 25 when Hopkins comes back. And if he is, it would be more of a net finish than as in any type of reliability game to game. All right, Jake, let's go on to our next receiver here. It is Amon Ross St. Brown, who had the big second half last year to get himself into this discussion, an ADP of 52.98, wide receiver 25 overall. I'm going to defer to you first here. Wide receiver 25 feels fine to me. I'm not necessarily going to pay that exact price, depending on who else is on the board. 52.98, 53 overall feels a little rich for me. I do like the idea of being invested in the Detroit offense, and I mean, we haven't said that in a very long time, uh, so there is some allure to me here, but I do have trouble getting to that overall price tag on Amon Ra. It's not far from it. Mm-hmm. I, I, I'm slightly out at this point. Uh, looking at my own rankings and wide receivers I have in front of Amon Ra St. Brown are Elijah Moore from the Jets, which we talked about, I think, last week, Robert mm-hmm. Woods. Darnell Mooney, Sutton, Gabriel Davis, Juju, Bateman, London, McLaurin, and up from there. I mean, now we're starting to get almost to the top 20. So yeah. that, that puts him at 32 for me. It's not that far down. Uh, and that's with Jamison Williams missing conservatively the first four games. So I think you're looking at Jamison Williams. It's very much like the, the argument for Hawkinson against Hawkinson. The slight concern, if you want to bring up the DeAndre Swift conversation we had, which I acknowledge, it's just if you have Swift – Jamison, Amara St. Brown, Hawkinson, and then we're not even talking about the rest of the wide receivers like Josh Reynolds and whoever it might be. It's just hard to see St. Brown getting what was almost Cooper Cup volume week right. in and week out. I, I've i sat here and made the argument that Jared Goff can have two top 30 wide receivers. He's done it before. Uh, that was with the Rams too. But also the fact this is like, can you do it with that tight end like Hawkinson? Somebody has to fall back or all three of them have to take a little bit of a you know 10% dip. So mm-hmm. I'm slightly out on this, which means I have zero Amara St. Brown because I often see him going close to the top 20. It, the biggest factor is James. If you told me today, Beller, and you said, hey, Jameson Williams isn't coming back. He's going to be on pop. He's out at least six, probably not ready to be a full blow until week eight. Then I'd be more in on this. Mm-hmm. The, the tough thing with, with St. Brown is that volume from last year uh, against what he did with it, right? I mean, it's very easy to sit here and say, all right, last six games of the year, he had double-digit targets every single game. That's not happening. And I think a lot of us, pretty much all of us, would agree with that. Like you said, Cooper Cup-level volume. We can't expect that from Ron Ross St. Brown this season. At the same time, when you can also say, well, yeah, he had the opportunity, but he took full advantage of that opportunity. I mean, you look up and down, and the worst game he had from just a production standpoint in that six-game run of double-digit targets was eight catches for 73 yards. And when you're talking about that as the worst game that you put up, it's like, maybe this guy deserves to be getting those sorts of looks. And it's hard to str- to like find the right balance there. Now, again, he's not getting 170 targets, right? The 10, tar- 10 targets per game, 170 targets. The math is pretty easy there. He's not getting 170 targets this year. But... He did everything that he possibly could have to show this coaching staff, yo, I can be a wide receiver one. I'm deserving of getting big-time targets. And so I think we should try to strike a balance between realistic realism of the targets with what he has earned for himself in terms of target share. And that's why I find myself feeling pretty comfortable with him being this wide receiver 25-ish player. It's more just the overall price that I'm a little bit balky against. Yeah, I'm a little bit more bulky with some of the wide receivers, as I mentioned. Uh, my biggest thing that I'm going to go back to is the Hawkinson situation. You know, mm-hmm. Hawkinson was gone at this point. Right. What, what was it, 12 or 13? So Yeah, like week 12 Minnesota, or 13, you mean? 
Yeah, he yeah, left. Yeah. He left the Minnesota game. So sure. that's when he started. That's when. That's when Amari St. Brown started the stretch. Before that, he had two games of eight targets. Now, granted, he did have like seven, five, five, six. I pulled it up. Six, four, four. Like plenty, but in that range too. You're talking about never got over seventy yards. Mm-hmm. Uh, he had. Actually, it looks like three games over 60 total. A lot of 20s, 30s, teens, and stuff like that. Zero touchdowns until Hawkinson disappeared. And I'm not saying completely ignore St. Brown and the fact that he grew as a rookie. He was a rookie, so I'm not saying you throw that all together. But that insane volume with no Hawkinson, again, now no Jameson Williams, who's now part of the team, and then is Swift going to stay healthy? It just I would expect them to be more of seven eight targets a game Mm -hmm. which is still really good but is that also a muted touchdown performance like is he going to have five for a season again and granted he had five in those stretches but that's again no hawks and everybody else so i'm more of a wide receiver three which again just Mm -hmm. goes to i said again like seven times there which just goes (laughs) to the fact that i'm not going to have him you got to take a look at the volume if you can you know pull up some of the uh arsb performances from that six game stretch and say He's not getting 170 targets, but is there enough here? Was this totally volume-based, or was he doing work on the targets he was getting? And I think that's going to lead you to the decision that you personally make on Amon Ra St. Brown. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day, or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. Our next receiver for this episode of In Out, no doubt, is one of those guys you mentioned, Jake. He is right here in this NFC North. Big things expected from him. Darnell Mooney, the new wide receiver one for the Chicago Bears. 55.37 is the ADP wide receiver 26. Just one step down from Monroe St. Brown. I am in at this price. How about you? Mm, like safely in. I mentioned yeah. him in for where I have him is 29. So slightly behind this, but. And at this, depending on how my team is, I can see Mooney finishing his top 20. The concerns is not even so much the volume because he's going to be looking at like a Allen Robinson was on this team last year, but Allen Robinson for past years way back. It was like volume. don't care. I don't care that, you know, you're playing for a poor offense when if you're going to see 140 targets. The problem is, is the 140 targets might be four or five touchdowns because the offense might struggle. That's the bigger thing. You know, if you go down the list, and you look at all these numbers and all these wide receivers in this range, you're going to see a very similar group basically from wide receiver 18 to 20, some around there, all the way down to like 35. And now the differences are going to be the offenses. You're going to mm-hmm. talk about guys scoring seven, eight, nine touchdowns versus scoring four, five, or six. And that's really what it comes down to. So if you want to push Mooney a little bit higher, I'm not even going to argue with you much. You tack on two more touchdowns, he might jump five to ten spots in my ranking so i'm in i'm not all in 
but I'm definitely not out. I'm just I'm solidly in. Volume should be huge for him. I mean, you look at what the Bears have done in that wide receiver group in this offseason, and it's like the island of misfit wide receivers with everything that they've got in town there. And what it all means is that there's no doubt he's going to be the wide receiver one. I would expect the person to be second in targets in this team to be Cole Komet. And I wouldn't be surprised to see uh, you know something of, of like a Raven-style offense from this team where you've got one receiver who you like, you've got the tight end who you like, you've got a mobile quarterback, you've got a couple of backs in David Montgomery and Khalil Herbert who you like, like I wouldn't be surprised to see, you know, not the exact same style of like literally how the teams play and how they line up and pre-snap motions and that, but when the dust settles at the end of the season, the same sort of overall statistical production from wide receiver one, tight end one, running back one, running back two, like I wouldn't be shocked to see something like what we've seen from the Ravens, from the Bears this year at a lower level, of course, because I don't expect these Bears teams to be anywhere near as good as those Ravens teams have been. I do think something else that we can factor in for Darnell Mooney and really everyone when we're looking at the Bears are a couple of these seeming depth signings that they've made along the offensive line over the last uh, week or so here that can't uh, do anything but help what was a very bad offensive line. They added Riley Reef, and obviously no longer at the peak of his powers, but still a competent lineman who can play basically anywhere along the line and will give you more depth uh, behind him. Michael Schofield also added to this roster. So the line at least should be better than it was last year. I know that's a low bar to clear, but maybe now we're looking at like a, a league average line, and that can make a huge difference for everyone in Chicago this season. Nah, I'm not on the same page with you on that one. I've been a Giants <laughs> fan for too long to know that death signings end up meaning nothing when it comes to <laughs> offensive line. I have zero hope that this offensive line is outside the bottom five. So Bottom five. It, it was already it was the worst in the league. And the depth signings are not going to do anything for me to get him out of bottom five. Well, Riley Reef so. is a little different than Michael Schofield. I mean what Riley Reef adds I mean, eh, again, he's not know, he's not he's know, not what he was. Point. Yeah, I know. Yeah. I yeah. Know. So Twelve games five. in the Bengals last year. They'll be better than bottom, bottom five. five. They might be like bottom eight, but they'll be better than bottom five, I feel like. No, either way. No, bottom five. <laughs> well, either way, we're in on Darno Moody. Sharp football already has him as worst. I was trying to give him some credit. <laughs> worst. Worst feels like a stretch with some of what these other teams are going to be trotting out there. Uh, take off your Bears glasses. <laughs> Believe me, I don't have any. I promise you. If I did, I would be singing a much, much different tune. But either way, we're in on Darnell Mooney. I do like him uh, a bit at that wide. Like, I would take him over Amon Ross St. Brown. Um, and, and I wouldn't think someone who uh, takes Amon Ra first is crazy. But give me Mooney. I just trust the uh, – I do trust his Well, body. 100%. I mean, you're talking yeah. about the definitive number one and volume mm-hmm. on his team versus potential mix with multiple options. Right. Yeah. So, uh, Darnell Mooney definitely uh, catching our attention as the unquestioned wide receiver one in Chicago. Next up here, a guy who I suppose could be a wide receiver one this season. I went uh, on a whole uh, rant last week about how I do not think he will be the wide receiver one and how I think one of his teammates will be not only the wide receiver one, but a top 20 wide receiver. But let's talk about Jerry Judy here. 56.18, wide receiver 27. This is, uh, I think, a big bet on uh, both Judy's potential and on Russell Wilson as the Denver quarterback. I totally understand that bet that people are making. I would like to have Jerry Judy on teams where I do not have Cortland Sutton. 56.18, a top 60 pick overall, and a guy who really hasn't shown us that sort of ceiling in his NFL career. It's a little much for me, Jake. I would describe myself as out-ish on Jerry Judy. Not quite fully out, but more out than in. Yeah, so I'm fully out. And uh, because I have Cortland Sutton at this spot uh, for wide receivers. And so I'm even further down on Judy. Like, yeah, don't hate Judy. 
I just don't think we can ignore the makeup of this team and the fact mm-hmm. that Tim Patrick is one of the most threatening number threes in the NFL. And I know people will say, like, from a standpoint of talent, and but, like, why are we ignoring what Tim Patrick's been? Maybe, maybe he falls completely to the wayside and Russell Wilson continues to be a two-wide receiver only type of quarterback. And then, you know what, Judy and Sutton are both too low because they're going to finish as a wide receiver one and a wide receiver two. Right. So. I think what it comes down to, as well as drafting, we go back to what we talked about last week is the makeup of your team. So I'm out only because I'm having a slight tier below. Like I have Judy in the conversation with Renfro and Lockett, speaking of, and Alan Lazard and names like that, whereas the Cortland Sutton tier is the ones like Bateman, Juju Smith-Schuster, Terry McLaurin, and stuff like that. So if you disagree and you think Judy's that way, this is why I don't like to get hung up too much on like the accuracy of draft rankings and why I like never worry too much about that is because it comes down to make like, I'm going to draft Judy higher than probably, you know, I would see him finish in my rankings from a full state. Like, so like I could see Judy finishing 36, but now would I take him around the wide receiver 30, like with the tier of guys I just mentioned? Yeah, because I'm going for upside there. There's a potential, but I want to balance that risk associated with it. So that's why he falls into the Hunter Renfro. I'm already St. Brown. I have him in the same tier. They're fringe 30s, and could they finish his top 20? Absolutely, but there's more risk baked in than a lot of those names that are around those 20s. I would just, I mean, like, it's, we, especially, like, wide receivers, right? Like, the greatest wide receivers in the world, like, if they if they play with bad quarterbacks, if their quarterback is behind a bad offensive line, like, wide receivers need a lot to go right before the ball ever makes it to them, right? So, I'd like, Jerry Judy's got the pedigree. We all watched him at Alabama. We know what sort of player he can be. And so, I, I want to get on board. But for a guy who's played 26 games in his career, Jake, 1,323 yards, 90 catches, and three touchdowns. Right, I mean, like, I, I like, I, I the, the potential. He is dripping with potential. There is no question about that, and he could have a breakout year this year. But if I'm going to take him as high as uh, it looks like, I have to take him. I want to see. I want to. I want to have had already seen more than 90 for 13, 23, and three across two seasons in 26 games. And that's just that's where this gets a little hard for me. Well, it's also the the lazy comic comp to what they had with Seattle is because everybody's like, well, Sutton will be DK Metcalf. Mm-hmm. Well, Sutton for D- first of all, Sutton and DK Metcalf are not the same wide receiver stylistically. No. Like, no. they they bigger plays, yes, but mm. different route running ability. I take Sutton mm. ten times out of ten over Metcalf. Metcalf will body the living hell out of anybody who tries to get close mm. to him. Sutton yes. can do it, but not as well as Metcalf. They're not a one for one. And what happens is everybody's making that one-for-one of, oh, he's going to be DK Metcalf for him, so what does that make Judy? That makes Judy Lockett. Well, what did Lockett do with Russell Wilson? And an absurd amount of rapport with Russell Wilson that you don't usually see outside of Lockett, Adam Thielen, and a few Mm -hmm. others where it's just this connection that comes to the touchdowns. When the plays broke down, Tyler Lockett was breaking free. And everybody's just going, well, that's that'll be Judy's role. Well, what if it's what is <laughs> Tim Patrick's role? And Judy's not a one for one for Tyra Lockett. They're not uh-huh. even the same size. Judy's bigger than Tyra Lockett. Yeah. So it's just a lot of and I like I, I I hate to come for people, but it's lazy analysis. And you're just trying to copy paste an offense to another offense because Russell Wilson switched teams and they're not the same wide receivers. Like, is there a world where Judy is better than Cortland Sutton? Sure. I, I think that there's not, there's it's a non-zero chance that that yeah. happens, but it has nothing to do with he being Lockett and Sutton being DK Metcalf. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. That's like a starting point for what you're going to think about, but definitely not, it shouldn't be your ending point. And, and we're seeing that 
happen a bit as uh, we're trying to figure out just what this Denver Broncos offense with Russell Wilson at the helm is going to look like. Jerry Judy, this just feels a little bit too much. Probably not going to have uh, too much of him. My team's same goes for Jake Seeley. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. One more player for us in this episode of In, Out, or No Doubt, the Athletic Fantasy Football Podcast. And this is a guy who I believe we are both in on. It is Rashad Bateman, an ADP of 63, wide receiver 28. Now, Jake, he's the one guy, eh, maybe, no, I was going to say maybe, but not Mooney. He's the guy in this discussion that we've had today that could, I think, be the, you know, go from wide receiver 28 on draft day to wide receiver 10 at the end of the season. Obviously, it would take a lot of things going his way, especially when you consider the passing volume of the offense that he plays in. Just goes to show, though, that the ceiling here, I think, is bigger than anyone else that we've talked about here because of the role that he is stepping into. Basically, he is now Marquise Brown. And that, I like, I just feel like the, the Marquise Brown role in Baltimore is going to be more valuable than what Marquise Brown inhabits in Arizona. And Mar- Rashad Brown is stepping in, or Rashad uh, Bateman is stepping into that and then can really, I think, make that into something different than what Marquise Brown ever did. I am very in on Rashad Bateman at this price. So I am no doubt all in. Uh, you see what it says? There yes. you go. I, I combined them for you. It really comes down to, I don't even think, like, I'm glad you said Marquise Brown and then continued. I thought you were going to be the end of the conversation. I was like, he's not Marquise Brown. But then you said Marquise Brown's role in 140 targets. So mm-hmm. 140 targets exactly. for Bateman. Now we're already talking volume. And we're talking, I've mentioned this on previous podcasts on here, even the uh, All in Football too, is that I think he's a better fit for Lamar Jackson than Marquise Brown is. I, I They have field stretchers to replace Marquise Brown. I don't think Lamar Jackson's offense works best when your number one is a downfield stretcher like Marquise Brown is. I think Bateman stylistically will open things up for him, similar to the success you've seen with Mark Andrews. And you look at Brown, or now you got me saying Brown, uh, you got <laughs> Bateman and Andrews as your one and two. And then whether it's Duvernay or Prochet, or maybe they can get somebody else with an A at the end of this, with spelled with an E, um, they, like, there's going to be an option there that I'm not saying they're relevant for fantasy purposes, but this could see where you get 140 targets, similar stat line, honestly, to Bateman last year. Cause or, oh God, Brown, you got, you talk, you tripped me up hey and now man. I keep going back and forth. Hey with that. Man. So, so last year, Brown only had about 11 yards per reception, which is low for him. And mm-hmm. part of that was because Lamar Jackson wasn't out there for the entire year, but he's more of a 13 type. But Bateman should be more of 11. So you say 90 catches, 100 or 1,000 plus yards, and then the six, seven touchdowns. You just mentioned it. Where did Marquise Brown fit? 
wide receiver 21 Mm -hmm. and wide receiver 21 is much higher than this ADP. And I feel like there's a little bit of room for even more. Yeah, I, I think you you really hit everything there that we're talking about with Rashad Bateman and why we're excited. Can we call him Bra- Broutman or something Brown-ish, like that? Maybe? Uh, no, no, no. I think Bateman, it's fun, right? We go back and forth. Rashad Bateman's good. And I want to say, Jake, didn't didn't you say – I know you said this about someone last year, and it might have been Bateman. Didn't, weren't you calling him like almost a year-ahead pick for the Ravens? Wasn't it Bateman? Mm-hmm. Yeah, right? for the Ravens. Yeah, there was a, there was a couple year-ahead picks, but yeah, he was one of yeah. them. Right, and I mean that's just like the talk the, about them. Two thousand twenty-three. We have a couple of those yeah. this year too. The plan, the like the, the the. It's easy to see the plan that they that the Ravens have had for Rashad Bateman at, in twenty twenty-two, going back to twenty twenty-one draft day, and it's, so it's just it, it'll be fun. I think to see that play out this season. And that's I why think that anyone who gets him a wide receiver twenty-eight is going to be feeling pretty good about it. Yeah, and that's why I know we talked about the Jets already, but that's why I'm so in on Elijah Moore because Elijah Moore was the same thing. Bateman and Moore for me last year were like, let's talk 2022, and then you're seeing the start to come around of why. So, mm-hmm. yeah, these are some. That's why I think Traylon Burks is 2023. There's right. other wide receivers in this draft class that are like that. Bookmark this podcast right here from August 2nd of 2022, next year at this time when we're talking about Traylon Burks because he is a year ahead pick in the same way that we're feeling like Rashad Bateman maybe was last year going to play in a big way this year, regardless of where you end up getting them in your fantasy drafts. That is going to do it for this episode of the Athletic Fantasy Football Podcast. Thanks so much for listening. For Jake, I'm Michael Beller. We're back with you later this week. See ya.